Well, last Sunday we kicked off a new series called This Is Life. I guess two weeks ago we did This Is Life and we're working on our life with God. Uh, how do we grow in our walk with God? How do we develop it? Because that's real life. Real life is having a real walk with Jesus. And I want you to have a real walk with Jesus. So last Sunday, we, uh, we did a couple of things. We did uh, a spiritual life survey, which looked like this. We probably still have some of those laying around. Uh, if you didn't fill this out, we'd love you. We got a big old stack of them, though. And uh, I thank the Gaines family for uh, working on compiling the data. Aren't you glad that they're doing it and not you? Yeah, me too. Uh, so they were, I got a picture from Stacy uh, with all four of them sitting at the table. They've got two uh, middle school age girls and they were all sitting at, the, at their dining room table compiling data in the computer. So praise the Lord for nerds. <laughs> Not that the Gaineses are nerds, I'm just saying. That was funny. I appreciate that. Uh, I wanted to say the other thing we did was we took devotional commitments, uh, and it's a 90-day commitment to, to lean into your walk with God on a daily basis, and uh, we had 6,000 minutes a day committed, which is about 100 hours a day of people in our church who've committed. So 100 hours a day, the people in this church have said, I'm going to spend that time with the Lord. I know you're going to miss some days and you know, you're going to have vacation. Things are going to happen, whatever. But man, what an awesome act of faith. Almost 50% of our church made a commitment to a devotional life in the next 90 days between now and Easter with the Lord. That's amazing. You're like, only 50%? Yeah, but friends, that's amazing. That's amazing. And there's still room for you. There's room at the cross for you. Man, I want to sing that song. I'm not going to. Uh, so, so today, if you've not, there's two ways you can do that. We should still have a few of the, of the cards. The, 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 if you're like an analog person, you can fill out the card. But you can also go on the Church Center app, and it's right there. There's also an enormous amount of resources on the Church Center app as well as the website. You can click on spiritual life resources. You can find a fasting guide. You can find devotion, devotional how-to. You can find all kinds of resources. We want you to be equipped to do what God's saying for you to do and to, for you to spend time with the Lord. So I just want to encourage you, uh, if you did not commit last week, it's not too late. I got a couple this morning that came in uh, on, online, and so I get those emails when they come in. So I just encourage you, go on there. And even if you've never done devotions before, it's never been a habit in your life, that's all right. It's a great time to start building that. Uh, how many of you know when Jesus comes back, you won't regret the time on earth you spent with him? So if you don't have that time that you're spending with God, why not start now? We're going to hit part two here of This is Life. And uh, I've called this, this message Developing Perseverance. Developing Perseverance. I don't know if you know it or not, but we are humans, and we struggle sometimes to persevere in the things of our life. We struggle through issues, through difficult circumstances. We struggle through emotions. We struggle through various uh, things that come our way. And uh, I, don't be I believe that in several places in Scripture, in, in the book of James, in the book of Galatians, and in other places in the New Testament, the writers are encouraging us to develop perseverance. What is perseverance? Perseverance is the ability to persevere. That was fancy. 
Perseverance is the ability to walk steadily with the Lord through any and all circumstances, difficult moments of your life, and even mountaintop experiences. How many of you know sometimes it's on the mountaintop that we fall away from the Lord? Because things get easy. Things get complacent. And so perseverance is that ability to walk with God no matter what we are facing. Where does this really begin? Well, I'm going to tell you it begins in our soul. It begins in our soul. In the Bible, the Old Testament especially, uh, the soul had three kind of connotations to it. First, it was our emotion. It's kind of how we felt in a moment, what we were going through, how I feel about things has to do with your soul. It also has to do with your spirit, but it has to do with your soul. Uh, It talks about in the Old Testament, your intellect, how you think. When the Bible talks about uh, somebody's soul, how you think or your way, can I say this way, your way of thinking? How many of you know you have a way of thinking? And every one of your way of thinking is flawed. Not because I think so, but because the Bible says so. Your ways are not my ways. Your, your thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And so our ways of thinking are finite, are limited by humanity, limited by human intellect, uh, because we're not, we don't know everything right now. Some of you think you do, especially the teenagers, but you don't know everything right now. But our soul has to do with our intellect. And lastly, our soul has to do with our will, our will, our decision-making, what we do. So a soul that walks in righteousness will make decisions, will think, intellect, and will feel things that are righteous. Let me take you to Philippians where it says, whatsoever things are true and hopeful and righteous and good report, I mean, it's a whole list of things. If you were a missionette and got your honor star, you know what I'm talking about. I know there's a few of you in here. I just saw, I just saw that. I saw that. You know what those things are. We're to, we're to think on righteous things, right? Well, if your soul is walking after righteousness, your emotions, the way you think, and the things that you do will be righteous. If your soul, though, is corrupt, how many of you know that taints the things that you think, the things that you feel, and the things that you do, right? In the Old Testament, soul and spirit were used interchangeably. Now, I think that our soul and our spirit, the way we understand it in the New Testament is a little bit different. Our soul is that part of us that is eternal. It's the, it's the part of us that when we die, our soul is with God uh, before the resurrection, that that's what the part of us that is eternal. Our spirit is really, to me, how we are relating to the things on the earth, how we are dealing with our life and our circumstances. In fact, I'll read this you from Proverbs 25. Here's what the book of Proverbs says about our soul. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man, parenthesis, or woman who lacks rule over their soul. What is it telling us? One, if you have no control over your soul, it's not God's fault. It's your fault. AKA, if you have no control over your thoughts, that's not God's fault. If you have no control over your feelings, that's not God's fault. If you have no control over the things that you do, that's not God's fault. Are you with me? 
Somebody who has no soul control is like a city whose walls are broken down. Anything can come in and anything can go out. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. I won't continue. It's a very dangerous place for a Christian to live without soul control, without dealing with themselves, without understanding uh, what is in their soul, what they allow into their soul, and what they allow uh, out of their soul, the things that come out or go in. In fact, I want to say it this way. Without a steadiness of soul, a guardedness of your soul, a perseverance to your soul, It is impossible to live a victorious Christian life. Not improbable, not unlikely, not with difficulty. If you don't control, if we don't, I don't, you don't, control your soul, what goes in and what goes out, it is impossible to live in victory. It's one of the reasons I'm convinced so many believers, especially in the Western church, live in defeat. Because they don't watch what they think. They don't watch what they feel. And they don't watch what they do. So many of us. Our spirits will be up and down, driven by many different things. I've got teenagers in my house, and I can tell you spirits go up and down. You would think I'd get used to it. (laughs) But our souls must be anchored in Christ's finished work. Did you hear what I said? Our souls must be anchored in Christ's finished work on the cross. And to be so, we will will be strong, immovable, and anchored to the things of God in our soul. If our anchor is sure, Hebrews 6, 19, this hope, talking about our hope in Christ, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. This is how I know that in the New Testament, soul was still a big deal, even though we're not in the Old Testament. It's a big deal in the New. Because he doesn't say it's an anchor for our spirit. You see that? Yes, Pastor Jeff, I see that. He doesn't say it's an anchor for our spirit. He doesn't say it's an anchor for our circumstances. He doesn't say it's an anchor for our life. He says it's an anchor for the eternal peace of us, which is our soul. He says it's an anchor for our soul. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. I love that song we sang this morning, take me past the outer courts and to the holy place. I want to go in the holy of holies. I want to be where God is, don't you? He says Jesus has already gone in there for us. He's already gone past that curtain that once separated man from God. And when we anchor our spirit and our soul in the things of God and in the hope that is in Christ, we can go behind the curtain without shame and without guilt and without fear of retribution. But only if your soul is anchored in the things of the Lord. An anchored soul has nothing to do with our circumstances, has nothing to do with our government, has nothing to do with what is swirling around us, good or bad, but has everything to do with the spiritual core that you have developed inside yourself. 
So I want to say it this way. If you struggle to anchor your soul, chances are your spiritual core is weak. Are you with me? Are you guys asleep? Okay, good. Praise the Lamb of God. Don't go to sleep. But if you can go through the storm and hold it, Jesus doesn't take the wheel. You hold on to the wheel and do what he says, right? If he says turn right, turn right. Even if there's no road there, turn right. But Jesus doesn't take the wheel. She was wrong. <laughs> he lets us hold the wheel. But he's our GPS system. And so what I'm saying to you is if you can go through the storms of life, if you can walk through challenge and difficulty and good things and whatever and still maintain an anchored soul, then your spiritual core, the core of your spiritual life is strong. And I just want to say it this way. Sometimes you never know how strong it is until you go through the storm. It's the storm that exposes the strength or the weakness of your spiritual core. Can I say one more thing? Well, I'm going to say a lot more things, but one more thing right now. You can't wait until you're in the middle of the storm to start working on your core. A few years ago, I decided I was going to run a half marathon, believe it or not. And I uh, waited. It was, it, the, the marathon was the first week of January. And I decided I don't need to train. <laughs> Just, just bear with me here, friends. <laughs> and uh, I used to have to go and wait for Eli to get out of football practice. And so once football season started in August, I decided, well, you know, I'll train a little bit. And so I would, I would go and, uh, after work, and I always enjoyed watching the, the team practice. And I would watch them a little while. And then I'd go, and I'd, I'd fast walk or I'd jog a little bit, you know. And, and, uh, and I started to train about twice a week. So seriously, so for like three months, you know, this kind of goes on. It gets to November, it's starting to get cold and whatever. I'm like, dude, I got to start training <laughs> if, I, if I don't train. So I start training and I start building my miles up and, and I got up to about eight miles. I got up to about eight miles. And then my knee went. <laughs> and I understood something about training. I understood something about running. I am not a runner, friends. I am an offensive lineman. We run about four feet, and that's it. And then we go back to the huddle, and we take a breath, okay? So I'm not, I don't know what was in my head, but nonetheless. So uh, I realized that I had waited too long to begin training for the half marathon, and there was no way on God's green earth or black asphalt that I was going to make it 13.1 miles, so I hurt my knee and I had to go to the doctor and I, I, I truthfully, I think God saved my life. No joke, That's not, that is not a joke. I thought I, after it was over, because Pastor Don went and ran it, it was in Florida and it was really humid and hot. And he's like, yeah, well, by the time we were done, we had run 17 miles from the car to the start, the, the race, and then back to the, just whatever, all, all included, they'd run, I'd like, I would have died. I'd have died at mile six, you know? That was not, why? You can't wait to start training until two months before the race. Are you with me? So why do we as believers wait until we, our lives hit a crisis before we begin to press into the things of God and develop our spiritual core? 
Why do we do that? Why do we wait? Developing your core starts in the secret place. Psalm 91.1, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's in the secret place, hidden with God, in the, in, in, the, in the prayer closet, in the room where no one sees us, in the car, in the shower for some of you, wherever it is that you can be with Jesus, not impressing anybody else with your singing voice, not working so that everybody can see what a pious person you are and reading the scriptures or studying the things of the Lord, but in that place, that secret place hidden, hidden with the Lord is where God does the most marvelous work in our lives. It's not at the altar where he does the greatest things. It's not on the Sunday morning service. It's not at the retreat. It's not at camp. It's not at convention where God wants to do the greatest things in your life. It's in the secret place where no one else sees. Jesus said it like this. He said, if you'll do those things in secret, if you'll go in secret, my Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. How does he reward us? Oh, so many ways. So many ways that he rewards us. The secret place of your life. I love the book of Psalms. I just realized I forgot to start my clock, so I got all, time, all the time in the world. I love the book of Psalms. Uh, in fact, it's, it's my go-to when I am struggling in my spirit. Are you with me? When I'm hurting in my spirit or I'm afraid or I don't know what to do, Psalms is often my go-to book. And, and I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy to see the life of David, uh, every high and every low and every place in between. We see David in the palace. We see him wandering in the cave. We even see David in Psalm 142 acting insane uh, because he's in a cave and scared. And, and earlier in the book, he acts insane in front of Abimelech because here's the, the brightness of David. Uh, uh, he's being chased by Saul, and bright idea, I'm going to go to Gath. Well, who is from Gath? Goliath, who David murdered. Well, he didn't really murder him, but you know what I mean. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm running from Saul. I'm going to go to the town of giants where, they, uh, where all the brothers and loved ones of this guy that I murdered or I killed uh, are going to get me. I mean, what? That's a dumb move, right, Matt? That's a dumb move. Right? But he goes and he acts like he's insane. You know, I don't know what that looked like, but that, I can't wait in heaven. I believe the Old Testament in heaven is going to become a movie and we're going to be able to watch it. That's not in the Bible. But wouldn't that be awesome? I love seeing David. In Psalm 142, we have David at a low point of his life. He's hiding in a cave from Saul, and he says this, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. This is where the blues was born. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Whenever I, wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. You ever felt like that? No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord, and I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. 
Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. I think this is a cool psalm. David is in this place of despair. He's hiding in it. He's the king, crowned king of Israel, but he's hiding in a cave. He's running from the maniac that is Saul, and he's trying to figure out, God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? What is going on right now? This is not the way I thought this was going to work out. How many of you have been there before in your life? Like six of us. All right. No, I'm just kidding. I know. We've all been there. We've all been to the cave if you will. I think about the Green Bay Packers of 2022 (laughs) and how very low my soul became. But no one cared for my soul. And the only ones lower were the Bears fans. was a joke. (laughs) We've all been there. I want you to notice what David does when he finds himself in the cave. He says in verse three, when I am overwhelmed though, you alone know the way I can turn. When I'm encompassed about by enemies, I can look to you, O God. You say you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want. Here's the crown, here's the throne, here's the riches, here's all the wives, here's all the prosperity, here's all of it, God, because all I really want is you. What I want you to notice that David did in the midst of difficulty, he took control of his soul. He said, I know it's rough around me, but God is with me. It's in the secret place. Why do we struggle to develop our spiritual core? To, and really, I want to connect the dot for you. We develop our spiritual core. We develop our spiritual core so our endurance and our perseverance can be developed. So we can run the race marked out for us, Hebrews 12, 1. We can't run this race without perseverance. What are the difficulties? Well, we, 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 we make up a lot of difficulties. One's busyness. Pastor, I just don't, I just don't have time. I just don't have time for the things of the Lord. Maybe it's an issue of priority. Maybe it's an issue of passion. Maybe it's an issue of substitution. And I mentioned it last week that we often substitute religious activity for real relationship with God. I think for many of us, it's sin. It's, it's the difficulty we have when we have sin in our life, much like what the Lord did this morning and dealing with habitual sins and things that we're dealing with. Uh, and, and that sin, it's not that uh, it separates his love from us, but we separate ourselves from him because of the shame and the guilt that we sometimes bear when sin is in our lives. For many of us, it's know-how, and I can't wait actually to compile uh, these statistics to know. One of the questions we ask is, what what is the difficulty for you? What what is that? And we're going to create resources to try to answer them, because I just want you to know every difficulty that you or I have for spending time with Jesus in a daily way is nothing but an excuse. If you think you have a real difficulty spending time with God because of fill in the blank, 
You're making it up. I'm just going to say it strongly. How do I know? Well, I know because of how much I see you on social media. I know because, well, I don't know because I've never looked at your DVR. Do we still have DVRs? You're like, she's like, what's a DVR? Are we there? Are you serious? And it's not that I'm saying every time that you have all, all the, the, the bonus time in your life or whatever, you need to be in prayer and you need to be fasting. And see, I'm not saying that. God doesn't want you to sacrifice the wonderful things in life of spending time with your family and having hobbies and going on vacation and all those great things that we have opportunity to do. God's not saying he wants you to sacrifice that, but could you, could you spare him 15 minutes? Could you spare the Lord 15 minutes? Every day, every day, every day. I want to give you just, as I wrap this up, some do's and don'ts of devotional walk with God. Do's and don'ts of devotional time with Jesus. I believe every believer in the sound of my voice watching online or otherwise must, must develop their spiritual core, must develop endurance and perseverance by spending devotional time with God. I think, and I think history proves it, there's no other way to do it. Let me give you, the, let me give you one example from the life of Jesus. I read it this week. I've been reading through the book of Mark because in March we're going to start preaching through the book of Mark. Do you know how many times the Bible says Jesus snuck away while it was still dark, before anybody else was awake. Why did he do that? Because the human side of him still had to get in line with the will of the Father. You with me? Jesus was human and divine, don't get me wrong. And there's the, I, I believe that the divine side of Jesus, you know, any argument that occurred, the divine side won, right? But why did Jesus, over and over and over again in the scriptures, sneak away to spend time with God? Because he had to. Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am that, eh, that was good for Jesus, but I don't need it. You with me? That was kind of hard, but you know what I mean. Do's and don'ts. Number one, do read scripture. Do read scripture. Read the proverb of the day. There happens to be 31 proverbs, so read the one of the date. Tomorrow is the 16th. Read with a commentary for study. And in a translation you enjoy. I like the New Living Translation when I read. And in fact, most of the scriptures that I, that I use when I preach are New Living just because it's easy to understand. It's not a great translation if you want to find out what the Greek and Hebrew meant. How many of you care what the Greek and Hebrew says? Wow, more than I thought. All right. You should read the New American Standard or the English Standard. Or you should learn Hebrew and Greek. Get a Bible reading plan. This little device that we all carry around in our pocket has uh, the Bible app, has hundreds and hundreds of reading plans for just about any kind of thing you're looking for. So get you a reading plan. What should you not do? Don't stress out about what to read or how much to read. And I know, and I've heard this before, but pastor, I just can't read. And I understand there are legitimate dyslexia. There's legitimate reasons that some folks struggle to read. So I want to I give you this. 
My, my Bible app has an audio Bible. Can you listen? Do you have ears? You can listen. I also believe the Holy Spirit can help you read, understand, and digest the Word of God. You couldn't read a John Grisham novel to save your life, but you could digest the Scriptures because the Holy Spirit will help you. You forget, you forget, or you dismiss. He helps us in our weaknesses. Amen? Okay. I'm not, so I'm just saying, I don't want to, if you struggle with that, don't, I'm not saying to dismiss it. I'm saying, let's find a workaround. Okay. Do learn to pray. I'm amazed how many believers don't know how to pray or don't understand what prayer is. Do learn to pray. Make your request known to God. Talking to God in prayer is the same as talking to anyone else in prayer. Tell God the things that are on your heart and what is there. Pray the scriptures. How do I pray the scriptures? Great news. Almost every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, we pray scripture in this room. So come and join us, and I will teach you how to pray the scriptures. It's really, really, really simple. Pray the, uh, we'll pray the prayer model together every, every Sunday. Don't overthink prayer. I know these are rocket science, aren't they? Ooh, I spend a lot of time on these. Don't overthink prayer. It doesn't need to be elegant. It doesn't need to be impressive. You don't need to use $10 words. You don't need to be theologically sound in your prayer. The Lord can interpret it for you, and he can figure out what you really meant. Better than your spouse can. Don't overthink it. Number three, do worship the Lord. Spend some time in worshiping the Lord. Worship God with your heart. Worship him in song. Worship him in psalm writing. Worship him uh, with you, the fruit of your lips, even if you're not singing a song. Worship the Lord. Tell the Lord how, how good he is. Tell the Lord how wonderful he is. Remind the Lord of his precious promises and his grace. Read a psalm out loud and worship God with the words of David. Don't stress out about sounding bad or doing it wrong. Don't think that the only place you can worship God is in the sanctuary. Make the sanctuary wherever you are. Don't stress out about it. Number four, do rest in the Lord. What do I mean? Shut your mouth. Listen for his voice. Pause. In the book of Psalms, there's this word we have called selah or selah, however you want to say it. And what it means is it's an interlude. It's a moment to stop and think and ponder what the Lord has been saying and what you've been hearing and even what you've been praying to the Lord. Listen and hear what the Lord might say to you. It won't be a loud voice. It will be a small voice deep in your heart. You'll know it when you hear it. People ask me all the time, how do I know the voice of the Lord? Well, you just do. Like, we get bent out of shape, like somehow the enemy's going to come in and give us this false voice. I'll just tell you how to know that. If that false voice tells you to do something or think something or say something or whatever that's contrary to the word of God, you know that's not God. You do not have special revelation. It is not the Lord. His voice will always jive with the word of the Lord, with what is found in Scripture. And if you're not sure, ask somebody. Rest and be silent. Silence is a long-lost spiritual discipline. So here it is, you, you type A, high D people. Don't be weirded out by silence. You will be at first. I'm just warning you now. How many of you type Ds are weirded out by silence? 
because I am totally weirded out by silence. I hate silence. Me and Kara are in the same place. Yeah, set a, t- <laughs> set a timer. Set a timer. And listen for the Lord. Number five, do write stuff down. It's very healthy to process your thoughts by writing. List your prayer requests. Maybe leave room in there to fill in the date that God answers the prayer. Keep it in a journal or on, a, on your computer. Or I, I have mine on my iPad. It's, I type on my iPad with my journal. It's just, it's just always there. Keep it, keep it. Keep a journal. Don't ignore this part of the devotional life. You're like, I'm not a journaler. I don't like to write. I don't know what to, I didn't say you had to write a lot. Write two sentences. You remember how to write sentences? Okay. Write something about what God is speaking to you. And lastly, do engage supplemental reading, devotional books, personal growth books, spiritual growth books, resources that help you in an area of your life where you need help. Can I just say this? Books will not transform your life, but God will use books to transform your life. If all you have is knowledge, There's no transformation in knowledge. In fact, Paul said knowledge just makes you arrogant. But knowledge, when combined with the presence and the power and the spirit of God, can transform your life, especially when it's in an area that you need help. Don't dismiss blogs, audiobooks, writings of other church ages. I think Pastor Zach called them old dead people, old dead guys. Or frankly, the Holy Spirit's ability to help you if reading is a struggle. But do read supplemental things. So, good news for you. Eli's going to come help me. And I have gifts. You're just going to stand right here. Okay. So, I want to equip you. I can equip like 10 of you, okay? <laughs> but I picked a few uh, things that I think might help you. This is, if you really want to lean into having a life of prayer, this is called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. If you've never read this, who wants this book? Who wants this book? Good job. The Bondage Breaker by Neil Anderson. Listen, this is about breaking addiction, negative thoughts, irrational feelings, habitual sins. I saw your hand first. Come on. Come get it. I'm not going to throw it to you because I'll hit Steve. Come get it. If you're, now, anybody, who else? Who else? I got one more. I got two. I got two. I got two. I got one more. I got one more. Come get it. 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 I won't throw it to you, Adora. Okay. This is just a journal. It's just empty. Maybe you've never learned how to journal before and you'd like to learn how to journal. This is another men's journal. So guys, suck it up and learn how to write. Where's a young man? I need a young man. I need a young man. There you go. Here's a devotional by Charles Stanley, Jesus, Our Perfect Hope, who feels like, man, that would help me tremendously. I want to have hope. Anybody else? Come get it. 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 This is for a young lady or a woman. Jesus always embracing joy in his presence. Who needs to work on joy in their life? Anybody? I know you're admitting it right now. You got to work on joy. Who wants, who needs to work? Come get it. Come get it. Come on. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see that hand. Okay. Um, your daily fill <laughs> with Phil Robertson. Who, who wants, come on, Troy. This is like, right? No. You got outbid. <laughs> okay. Okay, this was good. Christine Kane, phenomenal uh, spirit-filled 
teacher, unshakable. 365 devotions for finding unwavering strength in God's word. Who needs that? Come get it. Come get it. Come get it. Fighting words. 1,000 days of speaking truth into darkness. Who needs that? Who needs that? Come on. Come get it. Come get it. Come get it. I see that hand. Two more. I told you I could only equip like 10 of you. I think this is for a lady em- embraced. 100 devotions to know God is holding you close. Who wants to just, man, you sense the presence of God is close to you. Who wants this? I, young lady. Come get it. Come, you already got something. Come get it. Nobody wants to know God is close. Okay, well. Okay, all right. <laughs> say yes to God and walk in faith. What happens when women say yes to God and walk in faith? Who would that encourage? Come get it. Who would that encourage? Who would that encourage? Hey, these are all available at Hobby Lobby. I'm just saying. We don't have a good bookstore. We need a good bookstore. Okay, last thing. In fact, let me have you stand with me. Worship team's going to begin to play. Here's what I want for you. Here's what I want for us. Don't leave right now. So you people that leave, as soon as I have people stand, just hang tight. Because I got a scripture for you. I know, I know. I want you to develop your spiritual core so that you and I have perseverance. So the day that Jesus comes back, we are high-fiving it all the way to heaven. We are high-fiving it because we made it and we made it together. We endured the worst this world could throw at us and we endured and we walked by faith and not by sight and we walked in strength when we were hurting and broken and all the way up, I don't know what that's gonna be like, I'm gonna be high-fiving all you people. Here's what I felt like the Lord gave me this morning. I'm gonna close with this. I am the true grapevine, John 15, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so they will produce more. Why is that important? Because if you're going to run with endurance, uh, when I started to, decided to run this marathon, Pastor Don called a, 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 a long distance running coach and he, he said, what can he do? You know what the first thing he said was? Lose weight. Because if you try to run a race with extra encumbrance, how many of you know it's just setting you back? So why are we reading that? We're reading it because the Father wants to prune from us, cut off from us the branches that don't bear fruit so we can run our race with perseverance without extra weight. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you, so remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch can't produce fruit by itself if it's severed from the vine, it can't produce any fruit. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you know the more we develop our core together, the more we run with perseverance and strength, the more fruit this church, your life, your family, your individual self will produce for the kingdom of God? It's incredible. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. Come on. How many of you have dreams from the Lord? 
You have loved ones who need to find God. You, you have dreams and visions and things that God has dropped in your heart. Do you know if you remain in him, you can ask for whatever you want and it will be granted when you produce much fruit. You are my true disciples and this brings great glory to my Father. I wanna bring glory to the Father. Amen? Amen. So I want, you, I want to ask you, would you lift your hands all over the room and would you just ask the Lord, God, prune off the branches in me that don't bear fruit. Cut them off, God, and throw them into the fire. The ones that are producing fruit, would you prune them so they're more fruitful? Would you give me courage and strength to stay in you, to stay in connectivity with you, to develop my spiritual core, to grow in perseverance and endurance so the day that the trumpet is blown, we'll be high-fiving one another all the way up to be with you, God. Lord, I want that so much for me. I want it so much for my family. I want it so much for my Connection Point Church family. God, I want it for every believer across the globe. So God, do it in me. Come on, tell them, do it in me. Lord, let it be in me first. Do it in me. Produce endurance. Produce strength, God, to walk in favor and strength and authority. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This week, get into your secret place. Get into your secret place. This week, allow the Holy Spirit to begin to prune away from your life the things he wants to cut off and throw into the fire. It'll hurt a little bit. You'll be like, I thought I needed that. But in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, you'll be like, that was just getting in the way. Let him prune. Let him do a work in your heart. Amen? Amen. Let's sing a worship song together before we go, and then you can be dismissed. God bless you.